I'm Not, a queer podcast. Hi, I'm Rick Todd. And I'm Jeremy Williams. And you are listening to Wine, Why Not, a queer podcast. <laughs> so welcome to our first podcast. Uh, uh, Jeremy, why don't you tell people real quick uh, why we're even doing this? Uh, I don't even know why we're doing this. No, um, we're doing this because... Um, uh, because we've been talking forever about doing a podcast and it is on our list for 2023 to do things that we were afraid of. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we have been talking about this. In fact, we were signed up uh, to start this, I think like the week before the world shut down. Yeah. Right? Before COVID. Yeah. Yeah. And we decided that we would make sure that there we still had jobs before we branched out into something else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I did just want to tell people too what we want to do with this is right. We want to highlight our favorite types of media, right? So, and we'll get into this in a minute. But when we were growing up as kids, there wasn't a lot out there um, when it came to LGBTQ representation and in, in films and in movies and, or in, in TV. So we decided we want to sort of highlight that because there is so much of it now and talk about the kind of things we like and, and what's going on. And that's one part of it. The other part is we want to highlight our, our true favorite form of media. It's sort of self-serving, right? It's a little bit self-serving, but uh, we want to highlight regional LGBTQ newspapers and the work that they do and how that affects uh, the lives uh, of their communities and the stories they're telling, right? Yes, yes. Uh, bringing you the headlines from queer media. So tell us what what people can expect. Okay, so um, I, I think we've got it kind of segmented out. Um, this is obviously being the first episode. We'll give a little bit of background of each one of us. Um, we won't bore you with our live stories every episode. Um, and then uh, we're going to talk about some things in media that we're watching and listening to, some movies, some TV. Um, Books, if either one of us are reading a book. <laughs> um, We're too busy reading newspapers. Yes, because print is not dead, nor will it ever die. Um, and then just kind of highlight um, the headlines from uh, uh, from some of the LGBTQ newspapers around the country uh, that are uh, also member papers of an organization that we're a part of uh, called the National LGBT Media Association. Yeah, and one other thing people can expect, right, is that this will change incredibly from from week to week because we will learn what we're doing and we'll we'll make it better. So there'll be different segments coming here and there. But what is key that you're going to hear is really just our opinion about what's going on in the world. It's a little different from reading a newspaper, right? Because in a newspaper, yeah, we're fact based, um, contrary to what far right uh republicans say um we uh and and this is just kind of overall watermark and i think uh the the media in general the papers uh that are part of the organization is we uh we pride ourselves on being unbiased factual news um sometimes there's some um really shitty things that happen in our community and we report on those um sometimes there's some shitty people in our community and we report on them um but it's always fact based it's always uh, followed up with um, sources and backed up with sources. So um, this podcast is a little different. Um, just going to make it up. <laughs> 100%, right? And so so 
not fact-based, right? Yes. Opinion-based. And we're going to try to throw in some facts or what we think are facts. And, you know, we may get it wrong from time to time. Feel free to let us know. Um, we're happy to, we're going to learn. We're all yeah. learning. It's a learning process. Yeah. We all, we both are sitting here in front of the same Google that you have. So if we miss Google something and you Google it right and we got it wrong, then just let us know. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So since we're going to be talking so much about, you know, what, what we're currently watching, what, what types of, of media we really enjoy, uh, I thought it'd be really cool if we started with, um, just backtracking a little bit, talking about when we were kids and what, because there's a little bit of an age difference between us. <laughs> a little bit. Should we start with why we're called Wine, Why Not? Oh, that yeah. That might be a little confusing to people. They're like LGBT media. Um, I thought this was an Alcoholic Anonymous meeting. <laughs> um, so Wine, Why Not? Um, I am the wine and Rick is the why not. Um, I uh, enjoy a glass of wine. I'm enjoying a glass of wine right now. Um, and Rick does not. And I will let him explain why, because that's not my story to tell. <laughs> the. Um... Oh, <laughs> I didn't want you to we're all like uh deer and headlights over here yes um, so this you is may, the first episode did we mention you that? may not have heard jeremy uh <laughs> explaining what the point of the podcast is so we'll just gotta reiterate tell him again wine why not i am the wine i have uh, uh i drink wine i enjoy wine um i'm having a glass of wine right now rick is the wine not and uh, as I stated, apparently just to myself, um, Rick will explain why he is the why not. Um, yeah. When you were explaining before, you said that you enjoy a glass of wine, but I do not. Um, I enjoy a glass of wine a little too much. So about seven years ago, I decided that uh, drinking wasn't for me and I had to take a step back from that. Um, I would tell you that I attend meetings, but that's supposed to be anonymous, so I won't. <laughs> I won't do that. Um, but yeah, we just thought it would be fun if he just sat here and and we talked while he enjoyed a couple of glasses of wine and I enjoyed um, my energy drink that hopefully will sponsor us one day. And I can tell you what it is. You do not get named until you pay <laughs> <No>. us. <laughs> so, so that's where we came up with the idea. And so we have no idea what's going to happen um, by the end of this. I don't know if Jeremy will end up joining me in my meetings or, <laughs> or if he will, um, you know, say something that, that makes this our first and last episode. But we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Uh, so what I was starting to say is that since we are going to be talking about movies and TV and things that we saw in the media, um, I thought it'd be really fun if we went back to when we were kids and talked about, you know, what was there? What was out there? What did you see in the movies and TV and print or anywhere um, that that was LGBTQ and that you, um, you know, that that sort of helped you discover that you were we'll talk serious for a second and then we'll get into what you know to the to something else but you know who were your role models were there any what what did you see on tv in the movies yeah um i'll be honest when i was younger i don't remember any gay people on tv or in the media i know that there were um i am a a, a child uh, brought into this world six months before the 1980s started so i was born in 1979 I don't remember any of the 70s other than um, what Nick and Knight taught me. 
Um, so I know that there was soap in the 70s with Billy Crystal, who was an openly gay character. Um, I do know that, um, uh, I forget the movie, but it's a clip all over social media um, with the gay couple and uh, um, the guys yelling at this lady for walking through his petunias or something. And uh, she's like, they're marigolds. That's the, the only thing I know about the gays. Um, <laughs> but and, and without TV and movies, I, um, I had a gay uncle um, who was out and open in the 80s. So that was kind of my guiding light to everything gay. It wasn't necessarily media. Now, there, and we'll talk about this, but um, some of the things that I, um, I watched in the 80s um, awoken things in me that were very gay. But those specific examples weren't gay in of them. I mean, you know, well, one of them I, we talk about this was Johnny Depp in his crop top in Nightmare on Elm Street, which looking back is really gay looking. He's got the feathered hair and the crop top on, but it wasn't specifically a gay image. Apparently all the straight guys look like that back in the 80s. <laughs> which I want to, you know, let's not lose that crop top thought process because I want to talk about that in a, in a minute. Um what years, what, like, what would you say were your formative years? So what, what time frame are we talking about when you say there wasn't anything on TV or in the movies? Um, we're talking like early 80s. I think my earliest memory is when I was like four or five. Um, so from 1983, 84, um, my uncle Sal was really the only gay person I know. Now we have gay cousins. Um, we have, I, looking back now, we have a lot of gay people in the family. But Uncle Sal was kind of the, the one who was around all the time. So um, just watching him and it's funny because we lived in Colorado. I was born in Colorado. So um, he was uh, his roommate, his partner, his I, I don't even remember what we called him. We didn't call him his husband, but we didn't call him like, oh, this is his friend, John. Um, we knew that they were together. They were a couple and it wasn't a big deal. Um, but they had like a ranch and they went to rodeos and they rode horses. So um, my first entrance into the gay community was something that really broke stereotypes. Um, until Brokeback Mountain came out. Now, now that is the gay stereotype. Yeah. So there was a movie, uh, and this is what we're going to do a lot on this podcast. This, I'm going to describe <laughs> do you movies. I'm going to describe movies or actors in movies like I'm a 48 year old man um, who is who is has a declining knowledge of did, technology. Did you say like a 48 year old man? Yeah. Are you 48? <laughs> Jeremy's face right now is saying, Jesus, you're old. Holy, my mind is because I'm thinking, no, you're not. You're 44 or 45. I'm 44 or I'm going to be 44. So I guess, yeah, you're, you're going to be 50 soon. Yeah, sorry, I just had to process that. I didn't realize that. Anyway, you're a 48 year old man. Go on. Excuse me while I escape the dark hole of, of sad aging. Jeremy just put me in. Um, so I will say, so I'm going to describe things by things that I saw back when. And Jeremy's going <laughs> to, Jeremy day. is a movie buff, by the way. So he knows everything about movies. So I'm <laughs> going to be buff, not a buff guy who makes <laughs> movies. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, so um, who is the guy that was in Clash of the Titans? The original? Yeah. Oh, um, he was in L.A. Law. <sighs> That's an excellent question. And hey, blonde, curly hair, right? No, no. OK, then I have no idea. Harry Hamlin. There we go. Harry Hamlin was in a movie in the 80s. Um, I'm going to. This is what I'm going to type in. Harry Hamlin gay movie. Jimmy Smith was on L.A. Law. Mm -hmm. I never watched L.A. Law. Great show. 
Um, it was called Making Love. Um, so I just that came out in 1982, and I think that may have been that was that was probably one of the one of the first. I don't remember seeing that. I just wanted to bring up that that movie existed in the time that I was a kid, and I'm thinking like you know about the time that I started realizing. You know, that that I was different around kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third grade and that kind of thing. There wasn't much out there, I think, that that we had to 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 look at and say as role models. Now, so like you, it was people in my life that were that were what I had to base LGBT off of. I, I had a, some neighbors when I was really young that were gay and they were super nice. Like they they taught us how to sandblast uh, glass to make artwork for our parents. They taught us how to do um, stained glass windows. They were super cool. Were all the gays in the 80s artists? Because my uncle, I re- one of the things I remember, he used to do like pottery and stuff and like um, make ceramics and things. And he made, when I was probably nine or 10, um, I'm, a, I'm a nerd, so I like nerd stuff. And he made me a lamp with this big, it was a pl- a, a, like a statue of a wizard and he had like his arms way up and he had this giant. It was the most gorgeous lamp I ever saw. Um, but he made it with his own two little gay hands. And I'm like, and then you're telling that story. I'm like, all oh, the gays in the 80s were artists. Maybe art in the 80s was like a primitive form of grooming. <laughs> <laughs> not not no, sure. No. So anyway, so there's. There's um, so that was the the um, the experience I had with with people like in real life. But, you know, on the movies and and TV and I'm going to jump around time like crazy. Right. I just remember like, you know, seeing reruns of soap with Billy Crystal on it and thinking that, you know, being gay was a joke. It was like a butt the butt of a lot of jokes. And that was that wasn't really cool. And then anything that I saw representation wise on on TV, um, you know, which is sort of early, early 90s, mid 90s, you'd start to get into like where it was great that TV shows were including LGBTQ people, but there was it was never in a positive light. Uh, ER had um, a gay gay kid on there who was a hustler, um, a trans woman who committed suicide uh, or died by suicide. So there were those are both on er they were both on er Mm. i recently went back and watched it all because i was obsessed with er and um so i I started noticing that and i was like well this must have been what you know what what that was i'm i'm sure you know you brought up johnny depp so let's just talk about 21 jump street which when i was a kid Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it was i I wasn't watching it because (laughs) it was riveting television (laughs) i I ended up going back recently to watch a couple episodes it is tough to get through um but he is certainly is pretty, yeah. um, but I'm sure that like I feel like I saw an episode where there was a, a, a gay kid on there who was troubled. And there's there's this <clears throat> growing up, every representation of LGBTQ meant it was a problem. Yeah. And taught me that there was a I was wrong or that something was going to be. It wrong was always it always ended up violent. Somebody died or something tragic happened. Um, I mean, usually when in the 80s and 90s, it was usually resulted of AIDS. Um, AIDS, you know, it was this storyline where it's like, and I mean, that's aside from my uncle, that's some of my earliest representation of the community is seeing them fight, uh, the AIDS crisis on the news and, you know, um, laying in front of, I guess it was the CDC or the world health organization, um, doing die-ins, um, uh, just talking about how nobody outside of the community was talking about AIDS, um, 
and uh, that, uh, what was it? Oh, Ryan White. The, there was a movie about Ryan White, and I remember they kept pushing, he's got AIDS, but he's not gay. And that was like the the thing I remember the most is, yes, AIDS is happening, but it's, you know, to the gay people, but, you know, it's happening to the little kids too, so that's why you should care. And uh, I remember my uncle having conversations about that, and it's like, you know, it, they, you need to focus on this poor little kid because you don't give a shit about the gay guys who are all dying of this. Yeah. So, you know, so that's we talk about representation in that in, in that, you know, it's pretty much non-existent. Then. And we'll get into, you know, representation to, of, of modern times in a second. But I thought we'd have some fun. We'll go back to this this idea of I mean. Yeah, Johnny Depp to own the 80s. Yeah. But, but what what would you say um, were other moments where you were like you saw these moments in TV or in a film and thought, oh, I'm definitely gay. Um, it's funny because even though I knew my uncle was gay, I didn't know. I don't think my tiny little kid brain processed the fact that, oh, this is what gay means. Gay means that you are a man and that you're in love with another man. You both have penises and that's gay. Um, but obviously uh, the Johnny Depp thing I mentioned um, with Nightmare on Elm Street, that scene where spoiler alert, if you haven't it's 40 years since the movie was on, if you haven't watched it. Um, sorry, but, turn the volume down for about 30 <laughs> seconds um, when he gets pulled down into the bed and he's laying on the bed. And he's got the headphones on. He's got his TV and he's got his crop top up and it's right raised up. And you just see that the stomach. And I remember my aunt showed me that movie when I was like seven, um, which is a whole nother thing. My mother, uh, my aunt is um, probably about six or seven years older than me. So she was more like a sister than an aunt growing up. And she. um Gave me my first cup of coffee, which upset my mother. And she showed me my first horror movie, which upset my mother. Um, but she showed me Nightmare on Elm Street. And I remember seeing that scene and thinking, he's too pretty to die. Why are they killing him? And I just remember staring at that midriff and thinking, damn. Um, and then I moved on about my life because I didn't know what that meant. Um, but there was a show on Nickelodeon. You're a few years older than me. <laughs> I think we've established Um so I don't know if you used to watch this, but there was a show on Nickelodeon called Hey Dude, and it was a bunch of kids on a dude ranch. And one of the kids name was Ted, and he was like the troublemaker guy who got into um, got into trouble. When I was a kid watching this, he was a grown up to me. So I'm like, oh, look at this grown up. And he's really attractive. And he's got, you know, like brown hair and he's running around this dude ranch. I went back to watch the show. He's like 15. <laughs> so <laughs> he was a grown up to me. And I remember thinking, wow, he's really He's really pretty. He's a very attractive man. And I would like to get to know that man. Um, and that was probably when I was eight or nine. And I, I think that's when I started to think, I don't know if I pushed the label gay on it, but I remember thinking I like boys. I don't like girls the way that my older brother likes girls or that my younger brother likes girls or that I like it how my sister likes boys. That's how I like boys. Yeah, I like that. I like to to ask these questions because I think that isn't there a it's a saying right? Kurt Cameron made me gay, isn't that something people say? Or did I, I know you say that? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. yes, I feel like he was the gay, which is so funny. He's the gay awakening of so many gay boys. Yeah, and then turned out to, he probably runs some conversion camp. Yeah, that's... I mean allegedly, I can't say that. <laughs> Allegedly, he runs a conversion. Again, camp. I, again, I want to remind everyone that we are not speaking about facts. Um, so yeah, so there was there was Kurt Cameron uh, when I was younger, but I'm going to tell you at at my age, nothing was 
nothing said was more of a signal, I think, to parents that your child is gay. If you had a young child who sat in front of that TV and watched Bowflex commercials for hours. <gasps> Do you oh, remember the that? Bowflex the Bowflex infomercial. With the, with the shorts, yes. Like red shorts. And then the guy just 30 minute infomercial. I'm like, I'm done. Can I say, and and it's a shame because they don't do it how they used to do it. But MTV used to run nothing but music videos. I don't know if you, the younger kids remember know that. But it used to be music television. Um, and they were the the lifeblood of closeted gay people with their provocative music videos. Because you would turn on MTV and, you know, it, you didn't have the Internet, so you couldn't watch gay porn or you couldn't look up, you know, you didn't have access to young, attractive men to help you awaken your gayness inside. So MTV had their music videos. And I remember I was maybe 12, 13, and there was a music video and they would like I would get up early in the morning to watch the music videos. And um, I think the song was called Popular. It's like you're something, something, you're popular. And there's a scene where all the boys are in the shower, the locker room shower, and everything's blurred out. But I, I, I didn't even care because you could see everything other than the, I don't the blurred out. I don't want to sound super gay, but it sounds like you're describing the song popular from the musical Wicked, but not what's <laughs> happening on stage for the musical Wicked. No, popular Wicked ripped off the title okay. of popular from this music video from the 90s. And it was it's about football players in high school and the 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 um, the guy who runs the team on foot quarterback, the quarterback and the head cheerleader. They're dating, but she's like secretly having an affair with this. There's this whole drama in this music video and they see each other in the in the shower at the locker room and they're like soaping up and they're like, you know, just got the little the bits all blurred out. And I remember watching that and thinking, holy shit. Now that those. Those are men. Yeah. <laughs> and I look back now. No, they're not. They're like 17 and 18 years old. I'm going to write. I have an obsession with coffee mugs. I have a ton of them. I love coffee mugs with little sayings. And sometimes Jeremy says things that I want to write down and say, <laughs> I want this on a coffee mug. Um, the guy who runs the team on football. You know, the quarterback. <laughs> um, I think that's great. So you're talking about we could do three hours on this. So we're going to wrap it up in a second. But you talk about football players. Um, and because I love musical theater, um, the scene um, um, from Best Little Whorehouse in Texas, where the Aggies are going to the whorehouse and they're singing and there's like all the shower scenes. And, you know, back in the 80s, a shower scene in a movie was a little more risque than I'd say a shower scene in a movie is these days. They, yeah. they showed a lot. In fact, um, there's probably a, uh, a VHS recording of All the Right Moves somewhere in a landfill right now where there's about three seconds where the tape is super worn out when Tom Cruise is coming out of the shower. Just want to, you know, got to throw a little love that way. If we're talking about people coming out of the shower, you remember Outsiders? Yeah. There's a scene where Rob Lowe is coming out of the shower. My sister loved that movie, so we would rent it all the time. And when no one was watching, I would go into the living room and I'd put it in the VCR. And that, because the towel, towel slips down a little bit and you can see some of it. And I'm like, I would rewind it over and over and over. Same thing. Same thing. You know, you take the bits where you can get them. <laughs> well, you know, when there's when there's no outlet, when you can't talk about it, this is what you do. Yeah. You know, this is where you go. Um, you know, so one thing I want this this 
podcast to be. It's something that's interactive. And we want to hear your stories. We want to talk about you on the podcast as well. So if you, you know, if you're enjoying what you're listening to and you're like, oh, you guys missed this. This this was really cool. This was a moment that that made me like know I was gay when I saw this in a movie or when I saw Or you're this. listening to it and you're like, wow, these guys suck. I really <laughs> want to tell them how much they suck. You can, Email us. You can send us an email. It's WWN at watermarkonline.com and that's uh for wine why not at watermarkonline.com so just send us your stories we have you know we you know, i will tell you if you send us something and we really like it whether you're making fun of us or not oh, we'll, we'll, read we'll, we'll read it but particularly if you make fun of us we will definitely read it <laughs> um and i love the fact that we're wwn because that leads into um another outlet of my uh, repressed homosexuality when i was growing up is wrestling uh, my me and my brothers were big and all of our friends were big into wrestling. And I'm sure we all watched for different reasons. Um, but there was no better way to watch two men in basically their underwear roll around for for a few minutes um, in a wrestling ring. And I think that a lot of my gay awakening happened watching WWF. Well, it's now WWE. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there was there was a lot of good material there. Shawn Michaels. I look back now like, dude, your hair. But that, that feathered hair was very popular back then. And and what we're talking mostly about now are these little moments, right, that that we recognize this awakening of ourselves. But that that has all evolved now. Right. I mean, because we're not, you know, little, you know, because like, we have the Internet. Well, in, in, in what I mean is that it's much more than giggling because you see a midriff you know life is we're a little older now oh, yeah we've evolved a little bit so <laughs> six-year-olds laugh at the midriff yeah. 26 year olds go to the bathroom when oh, they see my the midriff <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, jeremy and i have been friends for many many years many. we were roommates for a little for a little spell there um <laughs> when i had nowhere to live <laughs> well it, it was my fault he he had nowhere to live um, we were, we were Watermark was sending him Watermark uh, Central Florida and Tampa Bay's LGBTQ newspaper. Uh, Jeremy is the editor in chief for that. We and, should have covered. That. Yeah, we should have covered that already. But before he was editor in chief, he was staff writer and he would move around to whatever city we had asked him to. And and I wanted him back in Orlando and he had nowhere to live because I had sent him away and brought him back. So we were roommates during that time. Um, so we, you know. We know each other pretty, pretty well. Um. The the thing I wanted to get into now is that we've all evolved, right? That we're in this, um, you know, here we are today, and we want to talk about representation in what we what we see today, right? So um, let's talk about that. And I yes. know that you are a huge movie buff, and tomorrow is a big day, yes. in the movie world. So tell oh, us about how that. far we have come. Um, no, tomorrow is the uh, announcement of the Oscar nominations. Um, for those of you who do read Watermark, um, one of my earlier editor's desk talked about my obsession from a very young age of the Oscars. Um, I, uh, I, I actually got to um, do one of the um, pre-show analysis kind of things um, with George Estevez when he was on... Um, the local ABC affiliate here. Um, so I'm very obsessed with the Oscars. So tomorrow morning, um, the announcement will come at 8.30 um, for the first time. Well, once a year, I come to work early. <laughs> and tomorrow is that day because the announcements are 8.30 and I want to be there to be able to listen to the announcements. 
Uh, and then now I usually write up a little thing about it. So um, tomorrow is uh, is the big day. So very exciting. So let's in terms of, um, you know, LGBTQ issues or characters, um, what are you what's the one thing that you want to see them the most? Or let's talk about um a couple of the the big things. Okay, so um, we're, I'm going to say this up front, and then we'll we'll come back to it at the end. However, um, one of the best movies I saw this year um, was a very decisive uh, divisive film, and it was directed by Darren Aronofsky, who directed Black Swan and Requiem for a Dream, uh, and Mother. All very divisive films. Black Swan, not as much, but the other ones, it's like you either love his stuff or you don't. Um, but he had the whale come out this year. Uh, with Brendan Fraser. Um, and uh, all the talk has been about um, Brendan Fraser's uh, performance in this movie. Um, but we'll talk a little bit more about that because I think you recently saw it. You saw it over the weekend. I did. Um, I was um, lucky enough to be in New York at the beginning of December, thanks to Watermark. Um, we had our retreat there, the end of the year retreat, um, when it opened in just New York and LA. And I got the opportunity, me and my brother, to see it on opening weekend. Um, and I've seen it once more here uh, when it opened at the Enzian. And it's a really for me, it's a very powerful film, but we're going to get into it because I know Rick has a lot of opinions about it. Um, but there's a lot of LGBT themes running through movies, even though there's not a whole lot of LGBT specifically themed movies. Um, the big one, I think, is everywhere, ev uh, everything, everywhere, all at once, um, which is a movie about um, you Marvel fans will understand this. It's about the multiverse, <laughs> but it's. And nothing against Marvel, but I feel like it explains what a multiverse is better than any Marvel film ever has. Um, but it's got uh, Michelle Yeoh and uh, um, Kiki Kwan. Kiki Kwan? I think that's how you pronounce it. But he's the, the, the kid from Goonies and Indiana yeah. Jones and the Temple of Doom. And it's about the different multiverses and the different types of us and all these different universes. And uh, at the core of it, it's actually a story about a mother coming to terms with her daughter and dealing with her daughter as, an, as a lesbian and wants to introduce um, her girlfriend to her grandfather. And the mother's like, no, 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 he's not going to, you know, um, he's old and set in his ways. So uh, she's just a friend. Um, but it's their relationship and this mother-daughter relationship and try, this, this give and take. Um, it doesn't matter what area of the multiverse. It's, you know, it's, it's still the same thing it's always about the relationships that we make so it's a fantastic film yeah and you know i want to just let everybody know um i'm going to talk about some specifics that happened in this movie so i think you know if you if just so you know we're just we're just a big spoiler alert here um yes. so jeremy just described this movie as if it was a normal movie <laughs> this movie is fucking weird there is nothing normal about so i would i just want to tell you like it's it's the whole multiverse thing. Yes, um, I'm not a Marvel fan, so you know, send me emails and tell me how stupid I am. The first letters are rolling in. <laughs> I I really don't like it. except Guardians of the Galaxy. I can get into that. Um, but so Chris, oh, because well, because it's like a raccoon in it. Which, by the way, there's a raccoon in everything, everywhere, all at there once. There is a raccoon in there. So yes weird do you do you the cook who's got the yeah, record you from, know that is he's from kid, glee yeah it's a kid from glee i don't I, I don't know his name i don't know if you want to look it up and tell everybody. his name is kid from glee but i'll look it up he's while also you're talking. he's also in Grey's anatomy um oh i don't watch that show yeah he's an intern in Grey's anatomy but anyway this movie is so it's so weird that and what what people do in it right is they 
they tap into the skill set. The, the basis of this is every decision you make, um, there uh, it creates a multi, uh, or another universe um, where you made the other decision, right? And so what you can do if you're talented, like the lead actress is in this, Michelle, yeah, is you you can tap in to those other universes and and use the skills that those people uh, that you and another universe have. So if she gets into a situation where she's got to fight somebody, she taps into her martial arts person. But the thing about it that's so weird and lovely and awesome and crazy about it all is that in order to tap into that, you have to do something super Ooh, weird. Did you look away from the paper cut scene? Yes. Oh my God, that, it, I love this movie. I bought it. I I have seen this movie probably seven or eight times. I have not seen the paper cut scene because every time it comes on, I turn around. I bought it because I had to because you can't rent it. And I had to watch it for this podcast. So, <laughs> you should have told me I'd let uh, you watch my copy. Well, like, apparently we're not that good. At <laughs> so so the weird the only one I'm going to point out is the one where the guy calls and says, I need a new launch pad. And a launch pad is I need to know what that weird thing is I have to do so I can tap into a skill set of something. And there was this there's this character that Jamie Lee Curtis plays that wins these IRS awards for being a terrible human being. And they look like butt plugs. So the guy looks at that. And you just know he's got to sit on one of these awards and that's what's going to let him. We're all grown ups here. He has to stick it up his ass so that he can trigger that skill set. And it's it's like four minutes of him trying to stick this thing in his ass while she's trying to beat him away from it. And then he ends up finding something else. It's just weird. But I want to say it is a it is fantastic the 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 meaning of it you know which i don't want to give all of that away but it's just this it's it's actually beautiful and at the end of it it's so it's so touching and this this kid um he's not a kid anymore he was in the goonies um who wa- Kwan. I, i'm watching this and the first parts of it i'm thinking he sounds just like he did in the goonies it's <laughs> kind of weird and he's also the same type of character so i'm kind of thinking to myself well why why did he win didn't he win the Golden Globe? He won the Golden Globe. He won the Critics' Choice. He's going to win the SAG and the BAFTA. He's every year. There's always a, a few categories where it's like you don't even need to watch the category. You know who's going to win. They just sweep, and he's been sweeping this. He's phenomenal. Yeah, and what I like about this movie, and I think why tomorrow morning we're going to see that they get four Oscar uh, acting nominations, is because of the multiverse. They're not just playing one character. They're playing all these different characters. Well, that's, yeah, that's what I was getting at because he, you know, he he's this he's what you would think his character would be right off the bat. But then, although by the way, this movie is like eighteen hours long. And then when you when about we'll get to on, that, but like every movie four, that came out this year is, is like eighteen yeah. hours long. So by by day four of the movie, um, he's you know it's when it's when he's that the guy in the suit, you know, um. When he uh, he runs into the the lead actress when she's at that award or she's watching the oh when she's the the, the movie star right when yeah. she's the movie star and she's watching her movie and he walks in that character <laughs> oh that's the strength what strength of that and then at the end like the speech that he gives like it's 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 amazing how it evolves from him being this 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 weak person theoretically like you would think that but actually it's his strength that yeah saves the role yeah. It's 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 a it's beautiful, but it's I mean, I just want to say we're spending a, a lot of time on this as because it's such a great movie that has 
LGBTQ themes. I just when I talk about the weirdness, was the hot dog finger thing the lesbian scene? That was the that was the the Michelle Yao and Jamie Lee Curtis lesbian scene. In that universe, they are um, partners. They are lovers. And their hands are made of hot dogs. So you do everything with your feet because your hands are floppy hot dogs. I told you this movie is weird. And it is my fate. You can actually buy gloves. The hot dog hands. They're gloves that turn you into give you the hot dog hands. No, um, no. But it is it's out there and it's all over the place. But it's my favorite thing about the movie is that. Even though it goes to all these different universes, it goes to all these different places. Within every universe, it's the same themes. It doesn't matter what kind of person you are, where you live, what you do, who you love, but you all deal with the same stuff. It's all dealing with relationships and where your place in the world is and where you matter in the rank of things um, and just accepting those in your life, uh, the people in your life who who who, um, who you love, regardless of who they love or what they do or who they are. Um, but yeah, I think tomorrow morning you're going to see uh, Michelle Yao, Stephanie Su, who uh, plays her daughter, Jamie Lee Curtis and Kiki Kwan, uh, Kiki Kwan all get Oscar nominations. Um, I, and this movie is just going to sweep. And I think this is the front runner right now for best picture. Mm. Well, the, I would say that that it's brilliant, but that's too bad because I want to talk about. The I keep whale. saying tomorrow. <laughs> if you're not listening to this live, <laughs> it probably happened last week. Yeah. Or maybe many years ago. Maybe we're so famous. And what if nobody got nominated that you said is? And they're all like, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. What an idiot this guy is. <laughs> they're listening. We're super famous. Some guy is like, oh, this is a good podcast. He's listening to all our back, our back catalog. And they went to the, the, the pilot episode and they're like, hmm idiot. Do you think that the guy who is trying to stick a butt plug up his butt is listening to this and thinking I'm getting recognition for my hard work in that movie. <laughs> he worked he very hard to okay, get to that. Now, point. and this has been an argument with the Oscars, um, the SAG awards, which are one of the preliminary uh, award shows that happened before the Oscars recognize just the acting categories. But one of the categories that they recognize that a lot of people have said the Oscars should be recognizing is um, the stunt teams, the stunt work. The stunt work and I mean, just the butt plug scene alone, those stunt workers deserve an award, a butt plug shaped award. And if you're a connoisseur of butt plugs, you can understand. Oh, yeah. Like if you are familiar with butt plugs, you look at those awards when Jamie Lee Curtis first points to them and you're like, yeah, that's a butt plug. Uh, I remember so being the, in. I remember being in an event. I'm not going to call out what organization it was, but anybody local in Orlando who went to a, an award show, uh, an award ceremony for a, a, a nonprofit, they gave out some awards. They kind of looked like butt plugs. This is a few years back, but it was pretty funny. Uh, but I do want to like before we get too off, off topic here. Uh, I want to talk about the whale. Yes, uh, because and and I want to I want to. Um, paint this picture for you because I just saw it yesterday, you know, and and it's I watched the preview because I was trying to see if my husband would go watch it with me. So I'm like, let's watch the preview. And then um, I. I started crying in the preview and it immediately the people that I hang out with the most when I'm like when it's a, emotional like that, they they check out. They're like, I'm not going with you to see this. <laughs> I, I don't know if it's because they don't want to cry in public I'm or so because they've seen me cry in public. I'm so glad you didn't call me to go see this again with you because both times I saw this, I ugly cried. It's just that I, I mean, I got to tell you, I'm, I'll just skip ahead and tell you, I, I, I left that theater a broken man. And, but it's just, 
it's so powerful. But so I go to the movie theater, which I go by myself. If anybody knows me, I hate to be alone. Right. Um, so I I go to this theater by myself. I'm about 30 minutes early and I walk in. The place is pitch black. Now, by the way, I'm going to see a movie about an obese gay man and I'm carrying in my hands a large extremely butter popcorn and a diet coke <laughs> and i'm by myself so i think that paints a picture and then i i walk in there it's pitch black there's no one in there i'm like Am i think I- we can give a shout out to the theater did you go see it at the ncn no i didn't oh, i went to to regal oh okay. um in in waterford lakes so i so i turn on i stand there for like five minutes because i'm like i'm not walking into this dark abyss by myself i'm never coming out so i turn on my flashlight eventually and i'm like this is ridiculous so and i keep my light on the whole time then a guy comes in by himself as well and sits about two rows in front of me and i'm like i can't even see him if he walks back here i'm i'm toast i mean the screen wasn't even playing anything it was just dark it was creepy so welcome to the world of independent film and then i mean it didn't get any less weird at the end of the movie everyone like there were like nine people in the theater right and they just all sat there staring at the screen until until the very until it was all all credits were over everything mm-hmm. no one moved and i'm like i'm not gonna get up and walk out of this theater i'm in the back row carrying now an empty <laughs> large tub after seeing a movie where the way somebody ate it, uh uh you know spoiler alert yeah killed him and so it's so anyway, this this movie is well, you is don't know. Incredible. It's a very it's an, an ending that is open to interpretation. Now, this is going to sound weird. When I saw the movie both times, do you know what the, the feeling of watching this movie? The only comparison I have to watching this is when I saw Passion of the Christ in the theater where and like you said, people just sat there and just kind of sat with their feelings for a while because they're like, I don't know what the fuck I just watched, but I know that it changed me for either for the better, or for the good or for the bad. But whatever I just watched just changed me. And I think Darren Aronofsky, Aronofsky's work does that. Um, I may have been one of two people or three people in the world who liked his movie Mother. It's one of the few movies that got an <laughs> F rating um, from the uh, audience scores when they were coming out. Um, it is total batshit crazy. It's 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 just complete and utter chaos. It's an allegory for for the the uh, the genesis of the Bible. Um, but just something about his work just makes you want to sit there and it, it you just sit with your ugly crying and your ugly feelings and everything. You just sit with it. Um, and it, it was the same thing with the whale. Um, but the, what's different than this than his other movies is you sit with that. But then there's like this light at the end of the tunnel that is the. Unbelievable optimism of Brendan Fraser's character, where he's he's like 600 pounds. Um, and I, full disclosure, I have, <laughs> I am not 600 pounds, but I'm, I'm like half of that. Um, but I have never identified with a character more than Brendan Fraser's character of Charlie in the whale. Um, I am overweight. I am gay. My best friend is a nurse. I, uh, am a writer who works with students who write, oh, we have an intern program there at Watermark. Um, I don't have a daughter, but I do have people in my life who I feel like they're just very jaded to the world. And I think that for the most part, I'm a pretty optimistic person. Um, There's a lot of shit that happens in this world. I'm like, oh, God, I'm just burnt out. But I think I'm an overall a very optimistic person comparatively to the people I hang out with. 
Um, so I just identified with this character. And the same thing, like you said, you, you, you saw the trailer and you cried. I cannot watch an interview with Brendan Fraser or him accepting an award without turning into just a pile of whiny, crying, terrible blubberedness. It's just it, it just watching him. And I don't know if he was already this way or this character playing this character made him this way, but he just seems to be this beacon of hope um, in his day to day life that makes me want to be a better person. Yeah, what I will say, what I'm looking forward to in the Oscars, because I'm just going to, there's no way he, I do not want to live in the universe. I will tap into the skill set of some other universe if I have to, (laughs) but I do not want to live in this universe where he doesn't win the Oscar for best actor. Yeah, it is. It's so incredible. And I'll tell you what it is. And I'll, and if I talk too much about it or get too excited about it, I'll probably start crying again. But when he yells, I just want to know that I've done something good with my life. Mm -hmm. It's so powerful because you've watched this man who can barely stand up, who cannot walk on his own, who is who chokes on a meatball sub because he devours a quarter of it with every bite. And it's so like this, this man who knows he's disgusting, who everything and just cries out in anger i just want to know i did one thing right and you just lose it because because he affords so much goodwill to everyone in that show except himself and it's just heartbreaking i you know he is i'm gonna say this may be blasphemy for like like movie critics who actually know movies really well um but if if Tom Hanks deserved an Oscar for his for his performance in Philadelphia, then this is there should be only one nominee. There is no way that anyone else comes anywhere close to what Brendan Fraser did in this movie. Yeah, I um I absolutely 100 percent agree. Um, and it's funny because I try every year I try to watch as many of the films that are considered front runners for the Oscars. And more so than this year, I noticed two things. First. Every movie that I'm is just being, laughing because Jeremy's starting to lips. he's starting to sweat. So I feel like the wine part of this. Uh, of no, this. it's the whale part of this. <laughs> when I say I am Brendan Fraser from the whale, I am from. OK, there's a scene in here where because he orders takeout all the time because obviously he doesn't leave the apartment. There's a scene where he goes to get the food that's left on the porch and the driver is standing at the top of the stairs I ordered DoorDash the other day and there was, I got the little ding on my phone and it said, your food is at the door. And I, it was the weekend. So I had my robe on cause I leave on the weekends. So I'm wearing my robe and my boxers and I opened the door and I reached down to get my food. And the, the DoorDash driver is at the top. I live on the second floor of an apartment complex. He's at the top of the stairs walking down. He turns around, he looks at me. And my first thought was we just recreated the scene from the fucking whale. And you're probably thinking, oh, look at that fat guy pulling his food in. And this is why this movie is so important. And so, uh, I mean, just it, it, it just it, it, it's just so touching to a lot of people because um, and I think we have this conversation a lot in the office is whether you are 
a morbidly obese person such as myself, or you're just an overweight person. I think in the gay community, and we're actually working on a story <laughs> to give ourselves a plug. Um, we're working on a story about this is in the gay community. There is a an emphasis put on a particular body type that you're supposed to have. And when people look at you and you don't have that body type, you automatically assume they're thinking you're just a fat son of a bitch who doesn't deserve to live in this world. And to have that scene, when he meets the eyes of that delivery person, I felt every ounce of shame and embarrassment that he felt. And then he goes into the house and, I mean, he just goes on a, a, a binge eating at one point in the movie and I've been there and I know what he's going through. And to see him, and I think you mentioned this earlier, where he just cares about everyone else more than himself that boils down to even the birds. He he doesn't take care of himself, but he makes sure that he puts food out for birds on his windowsill sill every day. And he just cares about everyone more than himself. And it's just such a powerful movie. And the fact that it's so divisive with critics and people are like, oh, I don't know if, you know, this movie's kind of, uh, it's like a horror film where you're watching this, people watch this fat guy. I don't think people got the point of this movie unless you've been in one of those groups that Charlie embodies, that the character of Charlie embodies. And it's such a powerful film and it's probably going to get nominated for Best Picture. It won't win, but it should be nominated. It should be nominated for Best Actor and it should win. Um, oh, that's what I was saying. A lot of the movies this year are very long and a lot of the movies are very just kind of like, okay. And at no disrespect to Elvis, but Elvis was just like, OK, he does a fine job impersonating Elvis. Banshees of Inisherin. there's going to get a lot of nominations there. That was an OK movie. It was fine. Um, I don't think like the Fablemans, Steven Spielberg. Great. You know, you want to be a director when you were younger and you made a movie about it. It's a fine movie. I don't know if they're the caliber of movie, at least for me that the whale is or that everything everywhere is. If there's a critic that doesn't like this movie, then they I don't that I'm it doesn't make sense to me. Then they're they're how can you miss the subtle details of everything? Did you notice this in the movie? Uh, I want to get back to what you were saying about um I'm so glad that you pointed out about, you know, this body dysmorphia that anyone can have. And it's like you said, it's whether you're morbidly obese or whether you're, you know, 20 pounds overweight. Um, if you're not the guy in the midriff, then, if you're not Johnny Depp from Nightmare on Elm Street, you're fat and disgusting. Right. Or or you feel that way because yeah. you think that the whole LGBTQ world or, or in the, the gay men's world that 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 they look a certain way, that this is, you know, what 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 gay men are supposed to look like. And if you don't look like that, you know, I mean, I, I suffer from that. I'm probably about 20 pounds overweight. And I mean, I haven't always been. And I'm like, you know, I'm up and down. I'm like Oprah. It's like, you know. And I'm going to go off on a tangent right here really quick. Just a little tidbit. I just learned this and it blew my fucking mind. Did you know that back in the 80s? Roger Ebert from Siskel and Ebert went on two dates with Oprah Winfrey, and he's the reason that she decided to syndicate her talk show. Yeah. I'm, mind blown I'm like that that <laughs> meme of that, of that guy is like yeah when i heard that because okay i've been on this i have I, I think between the two of us we have uh passwords to every single streaming service and i found myself over the last couple of weeks only watching youtube um which is i'm like i'm just gonna cancel netflix because i don't watch any of them anymore but i've been watching reruns of siskel and ebert 
And I saw a clip of them on, I think it was David Letterman they were on. And he talked about how he, him and Oprah, because they're both from Chicago. Um, they both went on the early 80s. They went on a, two dates together. The first one, obviously, I don't think this surprised anybody, they went to the movies. And then the second one, they went to like the opera or the symphony or something. And they were having dinner afterwards. And Oprah was like, yeah, I've been approached to syndicate my talk show. And I don't know if I want to do it. So Roger Ebert took a napkin and he wrote his salary and Gene Siskel's salary on it and said, obviously, you're the only one who's the talk show. So you'll get double what we get. And then he they do their show once a week. And he goes, you're going to do it five times a week. So we're going to multiply that times five. And we're going to multiply it by 52 weeks a year. And he wrote the final of what she would make in syndication, push it across the table. And she said she looked down at that napkin. And at that moment, she said, hell yeah, I'm going to go. I'm syndicated. <laughs> uh, we're in the wrong business is what you're saying. Yeah. Can we yeah. syndicate this? Can we, we need this? to Can syndicate we get Oprah money if we syndicate this? Oh, I would love some Oprah money. So I want to I want to go back to what I was saying about yes. the whale. Um, I mean, there's two things that I noticed throughout this. I think that are that that speak volumes to the. Um, to what Brendan Fraser put into this. And that was watching him eat and the manner in which he did it. I He ate a slice of pizza and then immediately stacked two slices on top of each other and ate that and then started on another piece. That was striking. I mean, it's just the way... I, I don't even know how 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 that happens. I mean, he's, he's obviously wearing a fat suit. He's, he's probably a little overweight, but he's not like that. Over oh so yeah. It, and it, that's one of the Oscars that's going to win. I think is makeup because that is all prosthetic and makeup. It, it, so realistic. And, and the, with the candy bar, when he was eating the candy bar, he just in the like, candy bar drawer. Come on. And then with the, with the meatball subs, I mean, that was kind of crazy, but so, so he, his ability to do that and to, to through those quiet moments show you what this guy was going through. It's so incredibly moving. How could anyone see this movie and not see that? But did you notice every time that he did something to feel joy, he had a heart attack? Yeah. Every single time. Well, I mean, it starts. Let's start. It starts uh, off. With it him starts <laughs> off with him jerking off to gay porn. Yeah, and and if you were curious if Charlie was gay, they they get that out of the way in the opening scene where he's jerking off to gay porn. Right. Which you know, there's that shower scene oh, where God. where he's standing there, and I'm thinking like, how does he get there? Do you know my when I noticed that, and this is going to sound terrible <laughs> when he was standing in the shower. And he's he's got a like a, a sponge on a stick. My first thought was, I have that stick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I have the same sponge on a stick. And then it made me sad. Oh. It made me so sad. <laughs> I, I, I do not know what to say to that. <laughs> but I'll say, um, so there was that first moment, and that's when it kicked off. That's when you knew yeah. that he was in really bad health. But when when someone made him laugh and he felt that joy, he, he, that I don't care the, I mean, just with all that prosthetic on there, that smile broke me every time. Yeah. And it was just, it was that this, this horrible place he lives in, you know, that anytime he experienced joy, it was, it was met with pain. And I think that, that, that story is just so incredible. I yeah. just was so moved by this, 
by this movie. The only thing that upsets me about the movie is Brendan Fraser's performance is so amazing that I feel like nobody really notices the other performances and all the performances in the movie are amazing. Um, the guy who plays um, the um, the um, the missionary who stops by his house, his name's Ty Simpkins. Um, Sadie Sink, you might know from Stranger Things, plays his daughter. She's really good in it. Um, Hong Chow, which recently has started getting some um, traction for Best Supporting Actress. Um, a few years ago, she got an Oscar nomination for Downsizing, that Matt Damon movie, if you saw that. She's the, she's the only good thing in that movie. The movie is terrible. What a she's weird amazing. movie. That goes on for like an hour longer than it needs yeah. to. And it's, it, it feels like it ends and then it's yeah, like, it's oh, like this is a- the kind of movie it is. Oh, we're going to change the kind of movie it is. So weird. Um, but she also was in, I don't know if you've seen the menu yet, but it's on HBO Max. Give it a watch. She's also in that. And she's just everything I see her in. She is she puts so much energy and so much passion into being just this kind of subtle performance it's like you can see the passion in her but it's a very subtle performance and she's just amazing and i love that she's starting to get traction and she got nominated for the sag she got nominated for the bafta and i think in the morning she's going to get nominated for the oscar i don't yeah. think she'll win but i think she's going to get nominated she she's amazing in the film. yeah i don't know what, what she's up against but i will say that her performance um, well she's up could... against angela bassett in wakanda forever so that's uh, probably yeah. who's going to win but she's but amazing you could feel the subtext in everything that she was saying mm-hmm. and i i didn't realize that the whole story the the thing was was about her brother until yeah until she started when she started that speech i was like oh my god that's the connection and but she, that subtext looking back was there in every line that she delivered mm-hmm. so she was really good the only thing that i didn't like <sighs> is the daughter yeah, you know, I, I love her in Stranger Things, but she was so two dimensional. But maybe that's the the thing It's like, was he being optimistic at the end when he said she was a good person or was she just being a raging bitch and yeah. calling this kid out on, the, you know, so it. Yeah, I think and I think that's the important thing with the movie is the fact that he is. um, It's uh, it, he's just. She is a terrible person in this movie. Yeah. And he is just always on her side. Yeah. And I think that's how a father she may have. To be. She may have done that. Good thing. I mean, we we're going to have to talk about this some other time because there was a there's a there's a religious component to this mm-hmm. that at the end reminded me of all of these super religious people in my life growing up where there where it was like, you know, like, hey, you're about to die. Just repent. And it's yeah. like for this movie what? actually, I believe I read it comes out on digital tomorrow and then on DVD and Blu-ray a couple of weeks later. Um, so if you're listening, buy the movie. It is so worth a buy. It is. And or rent it. And then um I think in the in a future episode, maybe when he wins the Oscar, when they win a bunch of Oscars, we will um we'll revisit the movie. But I am definitely it's uh tomorrow morning, I will be buying this on digital. Yeah, I, I, it is definitely worth worth mm-hmm. whatever you have to pay for it. Um, I do want to just say, because uh, we're wrapping up here. We didn't we, get to headlines. We are so long-winded um, that we didn't get to cover everything we want to cover. We promise uh, in the future that we will cover headlines because we could go on for an hour, another hour about the whale, but also George Santos, which <laughs> oh, we, do we will to- certainly talk about at some point. But listen, if you if you like what you're listening to, we're here every Monday at 6 o'clock. And um, 
you know, on culture radio. So you can download the app. You can listen to us anytime that you want. And, um, but let us know what you think. Let us know if there's something like, Hey, cover this movie. Why don't you talk about this? So there's this whole other side to, to entertainment that you're missing. Uh, let us know, let us know your thoughts. Uh, tell us your stories. We'll read them on the air. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, the email address again is WWN, uh, at watermarkonline.com. Yes. Um, let us know your thoughts. Tell us how we did on our first episode. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's all. Yeah, and thanks for listening. This has yeah. been wine, wine, not. Wine, one not. A yes. queer podcast. That it is. Wine, wine not. A queer podcast. <laughs>